Another tumultuous loss for Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills falling this time in week 12 to the Philadelphia Eagles. We're breaking it all down today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, the Buffalo Bills fell in week 12 to the Philadelphia Eagles, 37 to 34 in overtime and dropped to 6 and 6 on the season. Let's talk about stuff. And I just have stuff I want to talk about, right? I normally have some type of structure to these post-game podcasts where I'll give you things I liked and things I didn't like, but I just want to get into stuff today. And I want to start with another catastrophic loss for the Buffalo Bills where they were outcoached. Completely outcoached, especially in the second half, another meltdown by the team, another example of Sean McDermott not pulling the right levers in high leverage situations once again, another example of the Bills not making critical plays down the stretch while the opposition continues to come through, and honestly, another impossible loss, as if they, <laughs> as if they can't become more impossible, somehow they do. Ed Werder of ESPN after the game tweeted this out. He said, the Bills are the 40th team since the 1970 merger to have 500 yards, 10 third down conversions, and a positive turnover margin in a game, they are the first team to lose in that scenario. Teams were 39-0 and entering today. So when I say it was an impossible loss, well, there you have it. It really was. And that Jets game last week was fun. Sure was, 32-6. to Joe Brady's first game. The defense looks good. The offense looks good. But everything that I said after that Denver loss is still fully on my mind right now. How many times are we going to watch this movie? You're leading 31 to 28 with 25 seconds left in the game. Fourth and 17 for Philadelphia from the 41. They're facing a 59-yard field goal attempt to tie the game. The Bills have two timeouts remaining. And McDermott burns one of them to ice the kicker instead of preserving them for Josh Allen to lead a game-winning drive of his own on the next drive. And then, of course, of course, he makes the 59-yard field goal. And then you get the ball back with 20 seconds left at the 25-yard line, and you have a timeout, and you choose to kneel out the game and play for overtime. That is absolutely cowardly coaching. That entire sequence, Josh Allen is your quarterback. What are you doing? 
I mean, you're literally the coach that was on the bad side of 13 seconds. You had a chance for 20 seconds in two timeouts, and you played for overtime when you've literally never coached a team to an overtime win. Unreal. How many times are we going to see Sean McDermott not pull the right strings with the game on the line? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to change. I don't think he's going to figure it out. That entire sequence that I just discussed was made possible because the Bills once again had a second-half meltdown and got completely outcoached along the way. And it starts with Sean McDermott's defense. Philadelphia clearly figured out the Bills' defense in the second half. Clearly. Philadelphia in the red zone when they had the ball on offense against the Bills' defense in the red zone, four for four. Did the Bills have a pulse uh, of, of ability to stop them with the their defense when Philly got in the red zone? I mean, just an absolute meltdown. Couldn't make a play. And the offense certainly had its sloppy moments. Well, I mean, mostly good for the offense, but some critical miscommunications in the passing game. Special teams, once again, has its mistakes. Tyler Bass missing a couple of field goals. And you suffer another heartbreaking loss. This year alone, week one, you can't protect a 10-point lead with four minutes left in the third quarter against the Jets. With Zach Wilson at quarterback, in an overall sloppy performance, you lose in overtime. You completely blow everything about the London trip. You make Mac Jones look like an MVP candidate, and you lose in Foxborough where the Patriots score 29 points against you. McDermott was outcoached in a big way against Kansas City, or excuse me, against Cincinnati once again. You have the Broncos disaster, and now this. The Bills are 6-6. Six and six. They're the 10th seed in the AFC playoffs. And while there is plenty of blame to go around, I put most of it on Sean McDermott. And we continue to ask ourselves this question. Can Sean McDermott get this team over the hump? Folks, we're rolling in the wrong direction. We are rolling. We're not trying to get over the hump. We're trying to get back to where we're trying to get over the hump. We're rolling back down the hill. Penalties, a big, big deal in this game. Officiating was a disaster. All right, it was an absolute disaster. And we'll get into that. But, I mean, first of all, you did commit a lot of penalties, 11 penalties for 80 yards, 12 if you count the penalty that was offsetting that took away a penalty against Philadelphia. 11 for 80 yards, 10 in the first half. What are you doing? Just taking points off the board left and right, giving – Philadelphia three first downs courtesy of your own miscues. Philadelphia only four penalties for 30 yards. I think three of those are pre-snap. And then, of course, there were just crazy misses by the officials. The horse collar on Josh Allen, that ends up being an intentional grounding. He had a hit to Josh Allen's head that was not called. Two different pass interferences that I could clearly remember that were not called. One on one on Diggs, one on Trent Shurfield. I mean, just a blatantly obvious calls that you have to make. You had a hit to Dalton Kincaid's head when he was in a defenseless position. And that's just the obvious stuff. I mean, officiating was a disaster in this game. But also, you committed a ton of penalties. You have to control what you can control. 
And you can't control what penalties the referees call and don't call. But you can control how you execute and how you manage football games, and Sean McDermott failed in a big way in this contest, spoiling a great performance from Josh Allen. Put the team in position. Josh Allen, 29 of 51, 339 yards passing, two touchdowns, did have an interception, nine rushes for 81 yards and two touchdowns, 400 in total, 420 total yards of offense for Josh Allen and four touchdowns. I mean, you deserve a win a football game when your quarterback does that. The interception was disappointing. I think it speaks to some passing game miscommunications that just existed throughout this game, some sloppiness there. That interception in particular, the clock is winding down. I remember it's like five seconds left. You know, Josh is still getting everyone aligned. You you snap the ball barely before you get a delay a game, and then they run a trap coverage, and Josh throws a pick, forcing one to Diggs. But then you have, I mean, what could have been the game-winning touchdown pass, Gabe Davis. Complete miscommunication there. I don't. I will, we'll study the tape. We'll figure out who was wrong, but a miscommunication. Trent Sherfield should have been a touchdown pass. Where he, I don't even. I can't understand why in the world he would take an outside release. He needs to cross face and work back inside. That's a passing game miscommunication. Stefan Diggs on a stop route. He pulls off the route. Josh thinks he's going to continue it. I don't know why Josh would think he would continue it. The corner had vertical leverage. Dalton Kincaid had a situation where Josh led him into coverage and couldn't, you know, he couldn't make the play. I mean, just the point being is that there were miscues for as good as the passing offense was and how good Josh Allen played, you had passing game miscommunications. But all in all, an outstanding game for Josh Allen. People are talking about MVP, right? He's he's flipped the switch, two great games in a row. He's going to go on a tear and run the table. Well, not good enough in this one, right? And that's unfortunate because it should have been. It should have been good enough. All right, we got a whole lot more to talk about here coming up, including James Cook and Tyler Bass, Von Miller, some bright spots as well. But look, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to make sure that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or, or the resources really to invest in hiring. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year can be really challenging for some people, and it's natural to feel some sadness or even anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools necessary to manage everything that's going on. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. That'll get you matched with a licensed therapist. And if you need to, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. All right, I want to get into some call-outs here, and I sort of already started that. I, you know, I really want to talk about Sean McDermott getting out coached once again. Penalties, Josh Allen's really good performance that was all for naught. The passing game miscommunications, those are things that really stood out to me when I thought about the overall game. But I want to get into some more call-outs here, and I want to talk about James Cook. Um, productive game. 16 rushes for 43 yards, 6 catches for 57 yards. I mean, that's 22 total touches for 100 yards from scrimmage. That's pretty solid. But you know what I'm left remembering? The drop. The drop. The drop was an absolute killer for the team. And not only was it the drop the drop early on, but, I mean, he was twinkle toes early in the game, just not hitting holes with conviction, him going out of bounds one yard shy of a third down or of a first down conversion. Wait, what, are we, what are we doing? But that drop was huge, and I know it's a wet conditions and all that type of stuff. But, I mean, that the, what the swing there was critical. It's the, if I'm not mistaken, the second offensive drive of the game. And it's second and six for the Bills from the plus 30. From the plus 30, second and six. Well, that ball is incomplete. Should have been a touchdown. And then after that, you get two false starts. And you go from second and six from the plus 30. That should have been a touchdown pass to James Cook. To punting. It's fourth and 16 from the 40. And then it gets worse. Somehow it gets worse. You pin them deep at the 12-yard line. But a face mask call. On the punt by Baylor Inspector gives them 15 yards. So now they start the drive at the 27 and they score their first touchdown of the game. A massive swing. You take away seven points, you give them seven. Horrible sequence. Tyler Bass, two for four in this game. Meanwhile, their kicker drilling a 59 yarder to extend the game into overtime. Tyler Bass, two for four. Now, Good job making from 48 and 40, but his first miss was blocked from 34 yards out. Can't happen. And yeah, you're going to say it was blocked. Well, get the ball up. You can't be getting 34-yard field goals blocked. Get the ball up, Tyler. And then he missed on the opening drive of the second half for the Bills offense from 48 yards out. And it's it's a decent drive for the Bills. After the defense forces a three and out to start the second half. And the Tyler Bass miss gives Philadelphia the ball at the 38. Six plays later, it's a three-point ball game after you led by 10 at halftime. Not good complimentary football and Tyler Bass with a couple of big misses. My confidence in Tyler Bass is going down. I was all excited by him signing that contract. Thought he earned it. Been inconsistent this year. I don't when Tyler Bass is out to make a to kick a field goal, my confidence in him making it is not as high as it needs to be right now. I want to mention this Deontay Hardy, Andy Isabella dynamic. The Bills made Deontay Hardy inactive for this game and elevated Andy Isabella from the practice squad. I think that's a good move. Um, not that I have overly high expectations for Andy Isabella, but I've seen Deontay Hardy this year, and I've said repeatedly on this podcast that he just doesn't look effective to me. Uh, nothing dynamic, the yards after the catch, the motion, all the stuff that you kind of want him to be, he isn't. Um, 
And so I was happy to see Andy Isabella get some opportunity. Now, I don't know that he really made an impact on offense. He certainly had a good kick return, a 25-yard kick return that gave the Bills the ball at about the 30-yard line. Um, we saw Khalil Shakir handle the punt return duties. He did well. Obviously, he did have a muff, which he was able to return uh, to pick it up and, and get a little return off of it. And I think what I have appreciated about Deontay Hardy has been his punt fielding. Um, but I was pleased to see Andy Isabella, Andy Isabella get this opportunity. And I just don't think Deontay Hardy um, has really the skill set right now to help this team. I, he, I think the turf toe injury that he suffered last year was a big deal. Uh, I watched him on tape and he doesn't he doesn't look like the same player this year that he was last year in New Orleans and in previous years in New Orleans prior to the turf toe injury. When I mentioned Von Miller continues to disappoint a uh, lot of discipline issues with his rush lanes, a couple of opportunities where he went inside inexplicably. And he's the contained player and Jalen Hurts was able to roll to his right and make make a play. Uh, I question Von Miller's effort. I don't think he's a, a high motor player, not really pursuing the football with much urgency, and he's just not effective. I, I'm hopeful, honestly, that the Bills, I think they should have done it in this game, but I think he should be inactive. Uh, I think that there's reps that are more deserving to go to an A.J. Epinesa, to go to a Shaq Lawson. I think Kingsley Jonathan would be more effective than Von Miller. And I thought, like, you had an opportunity before this game to make Von Miller inactive and give him some time off, right, before the bye week and, and just try again coming out against Kansas city. Instead, he's a net negative once again to your football operation. And it's unfortunate because I'll, I'll maintain that for the 10 games or whatever it was before he got injured, Von Miller was everything that Brandon Bean signed him to be, but you know what? That's unfortunate. He's 34 tears his ACL. Now he's 35 and he, he just has not come back. Well, what's disappointing. And I felt, I felt like I said similar things after the Denver loss. There was a lot of good in this game, particularly on offense. I already mentioned Josh Allen and all the production over 400 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you get 29 first downs in this game offensively. You're 14 of 23 on third and fourth down. That's way over 50%. You have 505 yards. You possess the ball for 13 more minutes. I mean, that's nearly an additional quarter of time of possession compared to the Eagles. I thought your offensive line held up fairly well, pass protection in particular. You only gave up one sack and four quarterback hits and over 50 dropbacks by Josh Allen. You get positive contributions for Gabe Davis, six catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's more production than he's had in the last month, I'm pretty sure. Steph Diggs, six for 74 and a touchdown. Khalil Shakir, productive, 47 yards on three catches. Ty Johnson was a bright spot once again. Dalton Kincaid made plays, five catches for 38 yards on six targets. And this is what I'll say about Dalton Kincaid. feels like he comes out like early on and the Bills get in the ball and get him involved and it looks good. And then like in the second half, they just don't go to him. What's that about? I mean, you're, you're blowing leads. You're not finishing games. Like how about you get the ball to Dalton Kincaid later in games? Because it feels like that production all happens early and then it's just like, where, where's 86? It's weird to me. So you had so many bright spots, and that's what's disappointing. Even defensively, you did some good things in the first half, not in the second half when they figured you out. But, I mean, you go 4 of 11 holding them on third and fourth downs. You get two takeaways, the Ter Terrell Bernard interception off the Leonard Floyd tip pass, Greg Rousseau fumble, uh, fumble recovery. The offense winds up having 14 points off turnovers in the first half. Greg Rousseau was really good. Mentioned the fumble recovery, three tackles for loss. Leonard Floyd made an impact. I mean, it felt like there were some good things happening. But then the second half happened, and 
Philly, Philly, Philly took control and the Bills unraveled. I think another bright spot here is that you have no new injuries heading into the bye. And so the Bills should come out of that bye week really healthy. And boy, oh boy, you got to you got to do some things you haven't told us you're capable of doing down the stretch if the Bills are going to be playing postseason football. All right, folks, we're going to have a big-picture conversation and, and look at my predictions as well here in just a moment. But, folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is awesome. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. It's just you versus numbers. Here's what you do. You select two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. Doesn't take long. Picks can be made in under a minute, and then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. I love watching all these sports. Love them even more when I have a prize picks entry going into games. It just makes it that much more exciting. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Bills Mafia, let's get personal for a moment. Has anyone ever been caught skinny dipping? You know what I mean when your tortilla chip uh, dips and just gets barely enough salsa on it and it breaks in half. It's okay. We've all been there, and sometimes it's not your fault. Most tortilla chips, they can't even handle a chunky dip without breaking right in half, but those days are over. It's time to say goodbye to skinny dipping and hello to chunky dunking because Zach's mighty tortilla chips are literally made to dip. They're strong and sturdy enough to handle the heftiest dips of guac, all seven layers of a dip, and every single last chunk in that salsa. You know, we were having uh, some buffalo chicken dip, actually, recently. Had the Zach's Mighty tortilla chips right there because they're the only thing that works. I mean, you know, my mother-in-law, she likes to put out the Ritz crackers. Those things break right in half. The, the other the tortilla chips, they, you know, you, you go to dip it in there, and, and the next thing you know, your hand's got the dip in it. Well, Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, strong and sturdy enough to handle all the dips out there. So say goodbye to skinny dipping and hello to chunky dunking with Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips available at Wegmans in the chip aisle. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips equipped to dip. All right, folks, let's have a little big picture conversation here. And I'm recording this podcast during Sunday Night Football, so I do not have the result of the Ravens versus Chargers game. Uh, but the Bills are the 10th seed. Bills have played 12 games, and they're the 10th seed in the AFC, and they're three back in the loss column when it comes to the AFC East. Three back from the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, the Dolphins' next three games as they sit at 8-3, and three, Washington Commanders, Tennessee Titans, and the Jets. That's their next three games. So you might as well put them at 11-3. and three. Because those teams don't have much of a pulse. And like there's nothing, there's nothing to poo-poo at here. The Bills went through their easy part of the schedule and got through it with plenty of losses. They lost to the Patriots. They lost to the Jets. They lost to the Broncos. So yeah, like I'm pointing out that the Dolphins have some cupcakes coming up, but the Bills have already lost to their cupcakes. Now, Miami finishes with Baltimore, Dallas, and Buffalo. But the, the Bills are going to win the AFC East. I mean, they're going to need to overachieve, and they're going to need Miami to underachieve significantly down the stretch. The number 10 seed. The Bills are <laughs> – this is unbelievable. 
they're they're right now they're on the outside looking in and the Colts are the seven seed. The Texans are the eight seed. The Broncos are the nine seed. And then you have the Bills here as the 10th seed. Six and six. Three and five in the AFC. It's a tough, it's a tough situation, folks. Now, here's the deal. And I said this on the podcast, the, the Saturday podcast. I think the Bills needed to go four and two over the last six games, including the one that just happened that the Bills lost to. And, and them going four and two over the last six games did not include me thinking they were going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, four and two might not get it done. Ten and seven might not get it done. Four and two, I think, gives you a chance. But you have teams like Pittsburgh and Cleveland, who I don't expect much from, but they're seven and four. They may have built themselves a big enough buffer that they can just kind of go 500 down the stretch, and that's going to be enough to stiff arm the Bills from the playoffs. I think four and two gives you a chance. You probably needed to go five and one. And now you're here, you're looking at five left to play. And I think you, I mean, you better go four and one. You better go five and oh. Can you do it at Kansas City? Dallas, LA, Patriots, Dolphins. Can you do it? I honestly, I mean, if you've the last 12 games have told us that probably not. I four and one might be optimistic the rest of the way. You could be an eight or nine win team. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and that's the point that I was making. Like everybody got so excited about Joe Brady and I get it. Like there's been a wonderful shift in the offense. Love what's happening there. It's clearly the right move. Sean McDermott pulled the right levers there, but the problems were bigger than Ken Dorsey. Bigger. Let's look at my predictions. I did pretty good here. I predicted, number one, that Josh Allen would go over 256.5 passing yards, which is where he was projected on FanDuel. That absolutely happened. He got 339, so one for one. My second prediction was that Josh Allen would have over 29.5 rushing yards. He had 81, so that was another hit, two for two there. I felt good about the Bills' offense. That was the one thing I talked about. I felt like they would move the ball. I felt like they would score points. My concern was with the defense, and boy, oh boy, did that wind up being true there in the second half. I missed the third prediction, and I'm a little disappointed with it. Dalton Kincaid, I had him over 54 and a half receiving yards. He winds up having 38. And like I said already, like, why are they not utilizing Dalton Kincaid for four quarters? I feel like the offense is at its best when he's involved. And down the stretch, not enough Dalton Kincaid. And that's a that's a, an Eagles defense that has not done well against tight ends this year. I predict that the Bills would get 100 yards rushing, and they got 173. And so I go three for four through this point. And it's pretty impressive because the Eagles have only given up 100 yards three times now this season, including the Bills' performance. And 173, I'm pretty sure, is the most the Eagles have given up this year. And I know that Josh Allen and 80 yards is a big reason why. But there was some moments in the game, like there was that second-to-last drive uh, where they really did lean on the on the rushing offense quite a bit, and they were able to get it done. Now, I thought in overtime they leaned on it too much. But, yeah, the Bills' rushing production was good. And then I predicted that the Bills would lose in that. I was correct about that. So I go four for five on predictions. But I want to – like what I said about that was the most important part. 
my reason for picking the Bills to lose is because going into this game, they were one and four away from Highmark Stadium. Now they're one and five. And the point that I made is that the Eagles are a talented team that finds ways to win. And I said that the Bills are a less talented team that finds ways to lose. And boy, oh boy, was that true. Very unfortunate. Uphill climb. And now we got to chew on this for like two weeks because this is the last Bills game before a bye. Now, listen, I'm going to have plenty of coverage for you here. Nothing nothing changes here. We're doing a daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills, and I'm excited for this bye week because we, you know, we're going to do herd mentality. We're going to do the All-22 review, but also we'll have some time to self-scout, and it also lines up perfectly with our third quarter report card. So we're going to blend all that together this week to have some good conversations about what's happening, uh, the trajectory of the team, and really just evaluate. Right, That's what I do. I'm an evaluator. Uh, I love analyzing things, and so uh, this bye week will give us a great opportunity to do that. So stick around for it, and then, of course, you know we'll get more into a traditional regiment next week uh, with the, the the game prep for the for the Chiefs game coming out of the bye, and um, you know some of the more traditional things, but some some big picture conversations coming up here uh, this week. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you are subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again for the All-22 Review.